From Sales Loft Podcast, it's No Nonsense Sales with your tour guide through the alphabet wilderness of sales jargon, Tom Boston. You're listening to the No Nonsense Sales Podcast, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. We look at sales nonsense, jargon, cliches and acronyms, and we get to the bottom of them. What do they actually mean? Well, this week, we're going old school. Three letters that could make any seller quiver in their boots during a one-to-one. KPIs, Key Performance Indicators. There's nothing a salesperson who's been in the job for a while loves to do more than tell people what their KPIs used to be in a previous role. Here are some that I've genuinely heard in my time. You've got it made, you lot. Back in my day, I used to have to make 100 dials before lunch. I didn't even get a lunch break before I made 100 dials. I like this one. I never even got given a chair. Before I hit my KPIs for the day, I was on my feet. (laughs) And this is a classic. All I ever had was a phone and a pen. If I didn't hit my KPIs, I'd get a book thrown at the back of my head. Genuinely all things I've heard in my time. Thankfully, the world of sales has changed and salespeople have more at their disposal than ever to make sure they hit their KPIs. One of the things I love about Sales Loft is that you can put your metrics to the back of your mind, safe in the knowledge that you've got the perfect balance of automation and personalization as part of your process. So you can focus on adding value rather than trying to hit KPIs. And just for the record, nobody's ever thrown a book at the back of my head. Well, I've got a real treat for you all this week because my guest has been named a LinkedIn top voice more times than I care to mention. He's a real thought leader in the space and as a former SDR, someone who documented his entire sales career online, he knows more about what KPI should look like than most. This week, I've got Morgan Ingram on the show. And as a former SDR myself, I had to start by asking him what his SDR career started like. Yeah, used to be an SDR and... How I got the role is how I tell people how they should go about and get the role. So I cold called the VP of sales to get an interview to be an SDR. And that's how I started out. I always tell people that I was terrible when I first started. The first three months were were very, were very difficult. I didn't hit quota and I wanted to quit. I think one of the biggest things that I realized at the end of the day is the importance of being disciplined, the importance of being consistent and making sure that you're trying out new things. That's when things really started to roll for me. Uh, And then I started being more successful, started creating content and the rest is history. But I started off and it was really bad. I I was like, this sucks. Like, I don't know why people want to do this. Well, I can definitely relate to that. You know, it didn't start. It didn't start swimmingly for me either. But I, I love that you said that, right, because if anyone's listening who's maybe a new SDR or is even thinking about the SDR role, that's a key message, right? It's okay to be bad when you when you start. That that's an okay thing. Yeah. Now um, you've since been hugely successful. I I see you know thousands of followers on the platform uh, when we're looking at LinkedIn. But I wanted to pick up on something on on your profile because it really caught my eye. It's it's it said that you didn't necessarily want to build a, a personal brand uh, out of fear of what people might think. So for someone who's been as successful as yourself, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what that looks like for you. Yeah. So 
it's the thing with social media is that you put posts out there and you have no idea who's going to consume it. I've had tons of people come up to me saying, Hey, really like your content, but they've never liked or commented on anything. So I'm like, so I'm like, wait, did you really? But, but I've had that, those experiences when I've gone out or I've traveled or been at events and I was always afraid and I was very weary of putting myself out there because you have the opposite spectrum where people don't like you and they come after you and they say, Hey, I don't like you as a person. And it's like, well, you've only seen what I posted. We've never even had a conversation. So it just puts yourself out there in the open. And once you've done that, it's hard to retreat from how open you've been throughout the time. So it's absolutely critical. It's absolutely important that when you do start creating content, just remind yourself that most people that interact with you, if it's negative, they've never met you before, so they don't really know about you. And the people that interact with you positively, that's great as well, but you try not to get it let to get to your head. But I, at the end of the day, yeah, I just really was like, you know what, I'm not trying to, <laughs> I'm really not trying to put myself out there because now you have judgment from people who have never actually met you. And since you have put yourself out there, you, you know, you've seen huge success. You've been named a LinkedIn top voice many, many times. And I think a lot of people, including myself, kind of look up to you, you know, and are definitely inspired by by your journey. Uh, so what, what would you say to someone who maybe is is kind of wobbling a little bit, knows it's a good idea, wants to put out content, but maybe isn't isn't brave and doesn't and doesn't think that it's going to be received very well? What would be your top tip? Yeah. So you have to take a step back and then ask yourself, what is the reason that I'm posting? So most people, the reason that they stop posting or they do one post and they are like, oh, I don't want to do this is because they just were like, oh, well, I just want a lot of likes and comments and messages and I want to get the dopamine hit. Cause that's originally what happens when you first start posting is that you get that hit like, oh yeah, people like my content. This is amazing. Let me keep going for it. You have to take a step back and ask yourself, what do you want to be known for? Why are you actually doing this in the first place? That's what drives you. That's what keeps you going. And then you don't worry about all the other talk that's going on. You're just focused on how can I excel at building whatever brand you're looking to build. But if you don't have, I mean, you know, start with why, right? But if you don't have that core of why you're doing it, no one's really going to resonate with it. That's great. No, I love that. I love how you put that. And I think that like building a brand so important in 2023 for, for sellers and for salespeople. But let's not forget, Morgan, you know, one thing that is not often talked about when it comes to salespeople on LinkedIn, they actually have to sell as well, right? In the in the in the real world, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is why today we are talking all about, of course, KPIs. Yeah, I think there's you have to be mindful about what you're doing on a day to day basis to be successful. However, and this is could be an unpopular pick and a hot take. I, I don't really care, but the thing is, is that like I think mandatory KPIs are a d distractor from your reps doing what they need to do because you're putting unnecessary pressure on them to go, hey, you need to go do these things. And in most scenarios, I see them not doing that. Now I have an answer to that and we'll go into it, but I think mandatory KPIs, hey, you need to make 50 calls a day, 30 emails a day. I think that leads to bad behaviors and it doesn't lead to what you're actually looking for. I think I'd agree with that. You know, uh, I don't know if you can measure success on the amount of cold calls that someone makes, for example, but it, it, it leads quite nicely into the next question anyway, which is around KPIs being relevant in 2023. So I'd love for you to delve in mm. a little bit more ab ab about what you said there in regards to these mandatory KPIs and how they can be uh, almost uh, detrimental to uh, to a seller success. Yeah, so they are relevant. It's just the way that we're doing it and how leaders push on our reps is the absolutely wrong way to go about it. So if you think about it this way, everyone 
that is on the team has different goals. So if you tell everybody, hey, we need to do 60 calls today. Well, what if someone is not the best caller? I'm not saying don't make calls, but they may not be the best caller, right? That's like going in a sport and having someone who's really good at X thing, a three-point shooter, and then you're telling them, hey, they need to go dunk and they can't even dunk. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense, right? Your team is going to lose. So what you have to focus on is, okay, what is everyone's actual goal? So some reps might want to hit 200%. Some people obviously want to hit 100%, but some people might want to go beyond that. So instead of saying, hey, you need to do 60 calls and shove it down everyone's throat, take a step back and say, hey, everybody, like, what are your goals this year? All right, cool. And then have a framework or a formula so they can reverse engineer. What is it going to take to hit that goal? So every single year when I've worked at JV sales, when I've been a sales rep, when I was a sales manager, I wouldn't say I had no mandatory metrics for any of my reps. And I hit over hundred percent every single quarter with my team. We never, we never missed a number as a team. And the reason for that is because we were just like, Hey, what's your goal? We're going to reverse engineer that. Okay. You, you have to do 50, 50 to 60 calls a week, but because you're a better writer, you probably got to do 30, 40 personalized emails a day. I'm, I'm not saying that was it for everybody, but that's what led to success. There were no mandatory metrics. I created a formula. So they made it mandatory for themselves. So they actually did it. That's so interesting. And I, and I think that like, yeah, salespeople have an opportunity, right, to really shape what their KPIs might might look like. And I love what you said earlier about sort of proving that your formula works. Maybe five, ten years ago, that wasn't an opportunity for a for a salesperson, right? They weren't able to go, well, look, look what I'm doing on social, for example, right? Yeah. Uh, look, look at the response to my memes that I'm that I'm getting, right? Let me show you my meme to meeting ratio. Yeah. That's not a traditional kind of KPI, uh, but I I do love that. So so let's kind of um, let's round off then with your your top tips for for someone who is um, is maybe let's say new new to sales, right? They have all these methods available to them. We look at multi-channel. They've got all these different avenues and ways to uh, to have touch points on uh, on their prospects. But what's your favorite, and what would you recommend to a new seller to to lean into? In terms of like a channel for prospecting right now? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's go for a a hot prospecting channel for for twenty twenty three. Yeah. <laughs> so the I'll, I'll give the overall answer, and I'll give my personal favorite. So the overall answer is. I would look at in the past three to four months, if I was a rep, where did you get the most conversion? And I would double down and optimize to figure out how to get that better. Because the answer I'm gonna give might not be relevant for some people, right? You might be targeting gym owners. Well, if I say LinkedIn, which I will, um, <laughs> that's not gonna be helpful for you because the gym owners probably aren't on LinkedIn. They're probably on Facebook, right? So what I would tell you is you need to go look at the data because the data is the best answer here. And you need to go look at it and say, you know what? Wow, we got, I had 50%, 60% of my meetings from email. Maybe you need to double down on email, right? And start getting active and go getting these, these tools to get better at that skill. What I will tell you though, is that I believe LinkedIn is the best place to do your prospecting because when you think of LinkedIn, you could just do a lot of things, right? You can, if they're, if they're posting, you could comment on people in your space to get activity. You can connect with people to then do a LinkedIn voice note or a video. You can also ask for referrals, right? You can learn new information, just a lot you could do. So that's the place where I live, even now as I've gone off on my own, like I schedule probably 90% of my meetings, 
from LinkedIn. And that comes from building a brand and a network, which is the reason that you should be doing those things. However, what I will tell you is that like LinkedIn is where I just live. Like I could message people, voice notes, videos, comment. I could just be more active there. And then obviously I can convert them to where I need to go. A calendar, invite, email, et cetera. Love that, right? So 2023, utilizing social, using LinkedIn. But what I really picked up on there, what you said, was trying all these different avenues, right? And then finding what works for you, using the data to double down on it, leaning into it and replicating success. And what a great message to, to end this this podcast. But as you, as you know, we, we don't end it with a great message. We end it with a song. And uh, I'm going to get you to select a, a pump-up song a song that you might put on to get yourself <laughs> excited for some some cold calling uh, with the caveat of I'm going to sing the song. So let's uh, let's see what you uh, have decided to to opt for. <laughs> so 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 here's the thing, Tom, the song that I'm going to pick, I don't I don't think you're ready to sing it. Okay. I think it, th it might not be appropriate for the honest, but, but here, here's the song. Right. And you're going to listen and be like, oh, no, I don't think I would do that. The song, though, and this has the story behind it. So when I was in SDR, I was at a company called Terminus, and we created this culture around a demo song. So every single time that you scheduled a demo on the floor, your song would get played. Okay. So every single rep had a song. So my pump-up song is the song that I wanted when I played, and it was Juicy J Scholarship. Now, if you know Juicy J, Juicy J is very ratchet. His songs are very, very, very ratchet. However, in the song in the beginning, it says, get your money, get your money. So we, I was just like, okay, like this, you know, this is a good song. Starting off as an SDR, first job, you're in sales, like, you know, get you motor every single day. So that, that was the, the pop-up song that I had. Well, it sounds like your anthem. It's, uh, it's a new direction for me. You know, I've never covered Juicy J, but I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to do so. Morgan, thank you so much for joining me on the No Nonsense Sales Podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Very kind. Lovely audience. This is a mashup. First mashup for me on the show, Juicy J with Jesse J. Get your money. Get your money. Get your money, money, money. It's not about the money, money, money. We don't need your money, money, money. We just want to make the world dance. Forget about the price tag. It's not about the huh, bubbling, bubbling. Not about the huh. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Juicy J mashed up with Jesse J. Who'd have, who'd have thought it just worked, right? To hear that track sang in full the way it was meant to sound, check out the No Nonsense Sales Playlist, which is, of course, now available on Spotify. And don't forget to subscribe to the No Nonsense Sales Podcast on your favourite podcast player or by visiting salesloft.com slash podcast. <laughs>